There's already no more Alex time. Hadn't been for a while, we'll never be again. Man, when you say it like that, it makes it sound like again. makes it sound like Alex died. <laughs> <laughs> never will be any more Alex time. Yikes. everybody, welcome to The Forecast, episode 113. The Forecast is a bi-weekly podcast produced and sometimes released on Thursdays. We are a community of people who love exploring and discussing all kinds of things from video games and board games to film and TV to our everyday life experiences. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash we are the horizon community, or you can come hang out on our Discord channel, or you can check out our website, we are the horizon.com, where we have a ton of original content for you to browse through. Additionally, everything we talk about, we put into our cast notes, which is pushed out to whatever podcasting app you are using. I am Aaron. I'm joined by a couple of additional peeps this week. Alex. Hello there. How's it going? Jake John. Hi, uh, it's me. K Webb. Ah, oh, it's uh, me except with an L. OE93. Hello, guys, gals, and non binary pals. Hey, so I was thinking we don't have anything to start with anymore. So I guess we can just go straight into what you've been playing lately. What do you guys oh, think? Oh, whoa. That sounds great. Oh, All right. Weird. Hot. Strange, strange, strange. Uh, Alex, let's start with you this week. What have you been playing? Sure. Um, yeah. There's this tiny little game called Rite, R-I-T-E. Caleb actually found this one first, but... I think you spelled um, it wrong. R-I-G-H-T. Yeah, you should tell them they didn't spell it right. (laughs) That should be your review. (laughs) This game was good, but you misspelled the title. So... Zero out of ten. (laughs) <laughs> I actually have posted in the forums complaining about something already. Wow. Seriously. Wow. Um yeah, That's... I was like, yo, I love this game. It's awesome, but the death animation is so long. Mm. Yeah. It's not even it's... that long. It's like 3 seconds, but the when rest you of the die so fast. Yeah. When you die like the first second into a level over and over again and you're waiting for 3 seconds every time, it's like ugh. Have you um have you considered just like getting good though? Mm, yes, I have tried that. Mm, so this, not working. This out. game um, <laughs> clearly not. It's like a hardcore platformer, like a Meat Boy style. You're gonna die a lot, and it's very precise jumps. Yeah. Um, and it's like five bucks or something on Steam. I think it's very worth it. It starts uh, out nice and leisurely and relaxing. Yep. And then it ratchets up pretty quickly. I feel like it looks yeah, it exhausting. Like, just watching the trailers. <laughs> 100 some odd levels plus some uh, bonus levels that you can unlock at the end. Uh, coincidentally, both me and Caleb are both stuck on the same level right now. Yeah. Because the last jump is impossible. Stupid. But very fun game, I think. Highly recommended. Hmm. Um. The PAX online stuff happened, so a bunch of demos were up on Steam over the past uh, fortnight. Oh, uh, <laughs> a demo of Fortnite? Oh. <laughs> so I checked some of those out. Uh, there is another platformer in a similar vein to Write that is 
very precise and hard. It's called Hacky or Haiki, something like that. H A I K I. I think you mean Haiku. Yeah, it's a poem. No. Mm-mm. No. Mm, again, I think you should post and say, "Hey guys, yeah. you spelled this wrong." <laughs> this it, one, it, like, does it happen to be a game where you just make a bunch of poems that are no, three lines? In fact, a platformer. <laughs> no, oh, okay. That I is mean... very difficult with lots of saw blades and spikes and stuff that you're avoiding. Um, this one does have a little gimmick to it, though, because your shoulder buttons cycle through colors. There's three colors that you can cycle through, and whatever color is hidden from the screen, like, takes away platforms of that color. So you have to be doing precise jumps and also cycling through colors to make sure the platforms appear at the right times so you can get through the level. Um, hmm. In addition to platforms, it's like lasers and stuff that can kill you. So you're turning off traps and turning on platforms and stuff like that while you're jumping through. It is very hard to wrap your mind around at first, putting those things together. But after you die like 50 times in a level, it feels very fluid and you're, it starts to feel really good and rewarding. So hmm. I don't know. It's kind of a masochist game, but also pretty recommended, I think. Um, I played this demo called Shing with an exclamation point at the end. Shing. As if it were like the sound of a blade being unsheathed or something like that. Uh-huh. Or striking another blade or something. Shiny. Nope. It's like <laughs> Shing. Uh, this is a, a beat-em-up. Like a, one of those side-scrollers that you can move forward and back in the level. Like a, a Castle Crashers or something like that. And um, its gimmick is that the combat all revolves around the right stick. So whichever direction you point the right stick, you attack that direction. And you can like fluidly combine those attacks to create combos. So like you can slash a dude in the legs and then like point the stick directly up and slash them up in the air and then like jump up in the air and follow them and air juggle for a while. Stuff like that. Is it- does it feel fluid considering it's all just on one stick? Yeah. So you're like, it's kind of like um, how skate worked, where you like flick the stick directions to do different things. Mm, okay. So you're you're like flick, 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 and then and on top of that, you can like circle or do like half circles with the stick to do other things. So like you can do like a overhand slash by like bringing the stick from the top to the bottom around the curve. Things like that. It's pretty pretty cool. It's uh, does it feel snappy or does it feel kind of loose and? No, it's pretty snappy. Oh, okay. Yeah, this seems like this would be a very bad game to play on Switch with flicking <laughs> of a stick because of how yeah. much it bounces back past its axis. Hmm. Yeah, maybe not the best. But um, yeah, I think that one is cool to at least check out. I think it's four player co op, but I played it solo. And when you're playing it solo, you can switch out which character you are on the fly. So you basically have like four lives because one of them can die and then you can bring out another person and pick them up. Mm. So it's still kind of hard. Four player. What I'm hearing. Uh, I, I, can, I imagine that maybe a little bit because you're all out there at the same time, but you can still pick each other up, I bet. So. Mm. Oh, I didn't even add a game to this. Oh no! I put it right here because 
it follows the same thing. I played the new Battletoads. Oh. Uh, it's on Game Pass, and Sam and Cassie were interested, so I was like, yeah, let's just parsec this bad boy. Um, I think it's really good. It is like written really funny and very self-aware and i th- i think that like the high point is like the interstitial cutscenes and writing it's just all very well done um everything's animated like a cartoon and they're like making references to how old the original game is compared to this one like i think it's like 26 years or something like that since the last one and the story in this game is that they've been in some sort of uh, bunker locked in like VR that they didn't know about for like 26 years where they've been like cool superhero toads. And then they, they like get released from it because some construction company finds them and they're just like nobodies. <laughs> like nobody's heard of them in like the two decades since they've been gone. So it's very, very cool. Hmm. And it's, it's a beat em up for the most part, but it also has like other types of levels to break it up. So there's like a level where you're riding speeder bikes down a road and you have to dodge a bunch of stuff. Um, things like that. And the beat up part, I think is actually really well done. I think the, the combat feels really good. You have a couple of core combos plus some special moves. Plus you have like your tongue acts as like a grappling hook that can either pull you towards things or pull things towards you depending on how you use it. And it just feels really cool to like jump in the air and then like, like tongue somebody up into the air with you and then like beat them up in the air for a while and then slam them to the ground. That is gross. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty cool stuff. Um, Other demos I tried from the pack stuff game deck, which I would say, Hey, I found this cool game called game deck. And then Aaron would be the guy that could finally come in and say, Hey, I can say that. Finally, I have arrived, guys. <laughs> Caleb, you didn't kickstart this like two years ago, did you? I didn't. Okay, three years Thank ago, actually. Goodness. Thank um, goodness. This is a CRPG that tries to stay in the uh, like the pen and paper style gameplay a lot. Um, it's a lot of exploration and conversation type stuff. Um, there's like no combat, right? It's all just yeah, not that I've seen conversation and exploration. Oh, interesting. So. I think they're anticipating some combat, but the the premise of the game, right, is that you're kind of invading people's... Dig, is it digital dreams? It's not dreams. Yeah, Game digital Deck stands for game. game Detective, which I think is pretty stupid. <laughs> but it, it's a cool setting overall. It's like the far future. Everybody has like these VR rigs that they like uplink their minds into, essentially. So they're just like empty shells, like a... Sword Art Online or something like that, like laying in his bed. And then occasionally stuff will go bad in, in the games and the game the game deck get called gets called to like figure it out what's going on. So in the demo, there's this like rich dude, his son has been stuck in VR for like four days and he's like, I need to figure out what's going on because you can't just pull him out because that would risk damaging them. That's bad. But yeah, it mm. plays like very much like going around a room and, and exploring all the different things. And then like you're, you're interrogating this kid and it's very dynamic in the, the, the voice options that you choose to either like push him towards 
liking you and trusting you or push them towards like not trusting you and, and not telling you stuff. So I didn't even get like, I wasn't good enough at that to get him to divulge all the information he had. Like there's a meter on the screen that you can see, like you could unlock additional information if you get them to trust you more. I assume um, by getting them to trust you more though, you're like limiting yourself in some other aspect of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So it seems like, it kind of takes into account how much time you take to do stuff because mm, okay. I was inspecting the body at one point and the, the dad was there and he was like very impatient and I was trying to like just go through all the options to get all the info and at one point he just like cuts you off and is like, you've been looking at him for so long, just tell me what's happening. So it seems like you got to make those choices a bit quicker and see what you're going to sacrifice. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I think is a little weird about that one is they lean very heavy into the pen and paper RPG aspect so much so that it kind of sacrifices some of the things that you would go to a video game for. Cause usually in a video game, you'd expect to like see all the cool stuff happening and not have to imagine it. But there was a couple of times in this game where it was like a hologram appears before you like, like mm-hmm. a GM would tell you that. And it's not actually appearing before you in the game. So, Oh, like weird yeah. stuff like that would happen. That's weird. Is it audibly describing that or is it like a just a prompt uh, on the it's screen? It's all it's all text. Okay. But yeah, I thought that was a little weird. I don't know. Um Caleb and I played a demo called Operation Tango. This is another one of a handful of games that we've tried over the years that are like a hacker and a spy. Like and it's a co op thing. Yep. I feel like there's a handful of those that have come out. Yeah, there are. Uh, this one seems pretty good though. It's um, it's a hacker and a spy, and you're and it's co-op, and you have to like communicate which information each other has on screen to try to do stuff. It feels a lot like um the we were we were here games. If yes, very you've much played so. those before. So you just have a subset of information on your screen that you have to vocally tell your partner to make sure that you can get through the puzzles. And it's very. It's it's less like action oriented and way more solve the puzzle. Yeah. Oriented. Co-op puzzle solving for sure. Pretty pretty sick. Um and finally I think my favorite demo um was a game called Eldest Souls, which you can guess from the title is a souls like. Are you sure you don't mean Elder Scrolls? Yeah, it's different actually. <laughs> okay, just checking. Oh man, uh, Eldest Souls. I don't, I don't like this name either. But you know, it's a really cool game. It's a, it's like a top-down pixel art Souls-like. Um, and initially, I was like, man, I don't like this game. It's just like all the other Souls games. It's just really hard and punishing for no reason. And then I figured out how like the mechanics of the game worked, and then I liked it a lot. So, you do know that's how all the Souls games work, yes? <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, so first of all, this one's set up like a boss rush game, so there's no like fodder in between to mess with, which I like. When you die on a boss, it just starts you like at the boss again, so you, there's no like traversing for five minutes every time you lose to a boss. Um, and then on top of that, the mechanics of the actual combat are really cool because... The, there's like your sword is like normal but if you do like a charged attack and manage to land it then it goes into like this buffed up mode where when you hit stuff you can get health back 
So it's like this deliberate game of trying to time your your heavy attacks to make sure they land so that you can like hit them a bunch before you get hit again so that you can get your health back. And on top of that, the buff also gives you like more attack speed and more damage. And then layered on top of all that is like a skill tree system where you can like basically choose how you're going to play. There's a couple of different tree options that give you a special ability. So one of them is like an extra dash that can go through people and then also releases like these leaf blade things that will like home and attack things. Um, and then like another one is just like you go into like this berserker mode where you're doing more damage and healing more. And then another one is just like a counter. So that all feels really good, I think. And I, despite the last boss in that demo giving me a lot of trouble to beat, mm, he was tough. Like I still wanted to go back and try to beat him. It wasn't, it wasn't feeling like incredibly frustrating. Like a, like a dark souls game usually feels to me. It was feeling like exciting and like I, like I was getting better over time, which I guess is a lot of the reason why people like those games <laughs> to begin with too. But there is a lot less to like bog you down in this game. I think like you don't have to manage your health pot or you don't have to like kill a bunch of random zombies that if you like get too complacent can totally just kill you in a couple of hits because you're like frustrated that you're trying to walk back to this boss again for like the 80th time. I don't know. What do you think, Caleb? I think it, it, it does. It feels. Hmm. Say this. <laughs> <laughs> it is less annoying. Yeah. Sometimes. But you do miss out on some. You actually, you compared it to fury at one point, which I think is a really apt comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another boss rush. Style yeah. game. It felt like Fury, but with a Souls-like kind of combat, and you know, pixel art art style. But you you do kind of miss the ex- you don't you don't get any of the exploration from like a Souls-like game, which is where all the mobs come into it, and the reason you need the mobs. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's good and bad, but I do like the game itself a lot. It was a lot of fun, and the the skill trees seem super interesting. Not that you got to do much of it in the demo, but. Yeah, and you can like reorganize your skill points however you want, whenever you want. Right. So you can just reorganize for a specific type of boss. And like encourages experimentation instead of like trying to lean into a specific build for the entire game. Yep. That's cool. Uh, Jake, how about you? What have you been playing? Me? What have I been playing? Uh, honestly, I haven't been playing nearly as much as. Caleb and Alex apparently have. Clearly. I mainly have just been playing Hades. It finally got its 1.0 release like last week or something. I think so, yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, surprise, surprise, it's still really, really good. Uh, we talked about this a while ago. Uh, I picked it up in early access and I just kind of, I just started over rather than like potentially missing stuff they've added and stuff. I was like, let me just experience the whole thing again. And it's, you know, it's just really, really good. Um, it's a roguelike again. I, we we've kind of already talked about it, but it's it's yeah. maybe yeah. my favorite roguelike that I've played. Wow. Yeah. No, I think I think it does a better job of balancing out some of the randomness that's mm. in roguelikes. Like mm. I always feel like that's really frustrating when you do a run. And it's like you know 
you just get the three worst items in the game in a row. And it's like, well, can't do anything about that. It's uh, like literally every run of Binding of Isaac, you either get three excellent items or you get the yeah. three worst items in the game. Yeah, and like I love Binding of Isaac, but yeah, that gets really frustrating when you just want to have a good run and you're on a run of like 10 bad ones. Yeah. Get chocolate milk or whatever that thing is that makes your soy, soy milk. milk. Soy milk, Ugh. that's what it is. <laughs> like literally just quit your run if you get soy milk in <laughs> yeah. Binding of Isaac, it's over. Yeah. Uh, but Hades, again, we've we've talked about this, but you you don't get to pick exactly, but you get to pick kind of like a theme a lot. So, like, a lot of times you'll get, like, two options to leave, and one has, like, you know, Hades gives you a buff on the left, but then, like, Aphrodite will give you a buff on the right. And even within that, each buff you get has a choice of, like, three different buffs. So, like, even if you do end up in a room that you don't like, like, you end up with Poseidon, and it's like, oh, Lord of the Fish, great. You still get a choice of, like, three different things. So you can at least pick, like, the least shitty one. So are you cool. like you're picking one from the left or one from the right, not one from each? Not there's like yes. two doors. Yeah, and one of the okay. doors leads to Hades, and one of them leads to Poseidon or whatever. Yeah. Oh, okay. So not you're Hades, kind of like I guess that's a bad example. Routing yourself either more evil or more ocean. Uh, they just have different yeah <laughs> themes. They do you know different stuff. Yeah. Okay. So like uh, Ares, uh, he can add Doom. To an attack and what doom is it basically like marks them and then after like a second or two they take like extra damage they just take another hundred damage uh whereas poseidon gives a lot of effects that knock enemies back uh and then like aphrodite can make enemies weak which means they deal less damage to you so like each god has like a different kind of buff they'll give you does that That's make cool. sense yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's it's super giant so obviously it's like it's gorgeous well, and the story's really interesting, yeah. Music's awesome. Music, Music's yeah. great. Is like, it as good as three-on-three three basketball? I mean, that's really the thing, though. How are you going to beat three-on-three three basketball? I don't know. I mean, that game is so solid. I just, I don't know why they produced anything else. I thought they were going to make that, like, game as a service and just keep oh, selling God. it over and over on tons of devices. I guess, yeah. Why would you ever want to stop playing basketball is the question. Correct. Correct. That game annoyed me. <laughs> oh, man, I, like, I never even played it, so I can't dunk on Pyre too much. But I also never played it because it was three-on-three basketball. Yeah. It's, so it's like, just, I, didn't, I didn't care. I think, I think the majority departure. of that game is like a visual novel. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like that was the exact problem I had with it was that as weird as the three-on-three basketball was, it was fun to play, and I cared so little about everything else that was happening in that story. I was just like, just get me to the next basketball thing. Mm. See, I was the opposite. I got to a basketball game, and I played it for like more than a minute, and I was like, okay, can we go back to the story stuff, please? Yeah. <laughs> Literally anything else? Just a weird choice, Supergiant. I don't know mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. possessed you to think that was your next big thing, but Hades is doing really good. Still good really music good. in yeah. all of them. Oh, so, I mean, of course. Absolutely. Still Darren, Darren Korb? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And he's a freaking genius. So that's he's great. crazy good. Uh, the other thing I've been playing, this is kind of an old one, but like I never, I, I didn't play too much of it back in the day, but Doom Eternal, I picked nice. up again. Yeah, that game's just really good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's it? one. I haven't finished it yet. Okay. Uh, I'm not too far, maybe like a third of the way through. Uh, it's one where it feels almost like it would have benefited if you got some of the upgrades a little sooner. Like, I just upgraded my dash to where it comes back faster. 
Oh, and that that makes the game flow a whole lot better, actually, because mm-hmm. you can just move around a lot better. And like, um, I got another one where my little flamethrower guy comes back quicker and it feels like I can actually use it regularly as opposed to originally where I use it once. And it's like, well, I can't use that for another like 30 minutes. Like, that's just it. Yeah, right. I would agree with those. So that's that's kind of frustrating. Um, the only other thing that's been frustrating to me, some enemies you can't chainsaw. And I never remember which is which until I'm next to them trying to chainsaw them. And then he just like swings it. And it's like, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. And then I die. And that's frustrating. <laughs> well, you can you can chainsaw any enemy once it's upgraded to the level of that enemy, right? You gotta have enough fuel. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I just, I wish if I didn't have enough fuel, like if he just didn't do it, like, he does this long swing animation where I can't mm-hmm. do anything. <laughs> Don't like that. It's one of the only things in the game that I feel like makes you learn the enemies in a weird like you have to sure. learn some things like how to approach an enemy, but never like what their stat level is and whether or not something you're doing is going to affect them or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that, that's all pretty nitpicky stuff like the game's still really, really good. It feels a lot more ability based than the first one, which I think yep. I like more. Uh, I dashing more. is great. Being able to regen armor is very nice because I felt like in the yeah. first game I didn't give a shit about armor generally. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's really good, really fun. What, what difficulty are you playing on? Uh, I think it's like the equivalent of hard. Okay. I don't. They I, didn't give it like normal names. It's not easy, medium, hard. It's like yeah. baby Probably poopy plenty. diaper, <laughs> doom slayer, and butt puncher. And I'm like, ah, it's this one, I guess. <laughs> The hardest difficulty, I feel like armor is almost irrelevant. You're like, oh, you really? never have armor. Never. Yeah. It's just always, you're just like trying to recover health by well, doing finishers. I think it's like that until you get the super shotgun with the hook, with oh, the upgrade that yeah. sets things yes. on fire yes. when yeah. you hook them. <sighs> then you yes. do have armor always. It's the best upgrade in the game. For Why sure. do they put other weapons in the game that aren't the sh- super shotgun though? <laughs> they- I really, one thing I appreciate about this game, I like watching demos of people playing it. Like I recently saw it when they uh, did the NVIDIA new graphics cards. They were showing some 4K footage. And the guys they have play it, they're like switching weapons every second. Like, Ooh. you know, shoot once with a shotgun, switch to super shotgun, fly towards an enemy, pull out a rocket launcher. And I'm like, why? Why wouldn't you just run around with a super shotgun literally all the time? This is the best <laughs> weapon in the game. That's real gun. And if you need something, you just shoot the blade once with the whatever that laser rifle is. I can't remember the name of mm, yeah. blade weapon. Yeah, it's a cool um, game. In news of Doom Eternal, there, there's like a thing that like it's probably going to come to Game Pass. I don't know how relevant that is to everybody, but oh, nice. They had like an they posted a screenshot of an email on Twitter. And there was like this game's coming to Game Pass and it was like redacted. Mm. over the top of it they were like guess what's coming and then like if you put the screenshot into photoshop and mess with the exposure like underneath the signature it says the slayer is coming or something like that i mean not to spoil our news section but yeah um, but um <laughs> you know microsoft did buy those guys <laughs> there, there yeah. might be Are, a reason for it yeah is it, did, did they have like a time frame in which they thought they were, they were going to be moving to that I wonder if it's going to coincide with their expansion on the on October on October twentieth. I don't know, maybe. 
That would, I mean, the that'd expansion make a lot of sense. adding no new game, no new guns or abilities. Yeah, nothing, Fuck nothing yeah. new, nothing new at all. They literally just taken all the character models, slightly tweaking the colors, maybe adding a little bit of level design. But that's about it. Are there yeah. any new enemies? They're not. As far as I know, no. Wow. Are there any hats? My real bosses, issue. Like, can, can I be a unicorn? <laughs> My real issue is that they're not still not adding ray tracing. Which they announced mm. the game would support before it came out. Damn, yeah, they did. No ray tracing. Fuck, yeah. delete that. I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, dude. Come on. So it's a twenty. It's a a, a twenty dollar expansion for something that doesn't really give you access to new stuff, yeah. other than levels. That's it. They couldn't add new new weapons, Aaron, because the the game balance was so perfect. They didn't want to oh, mess it up. Oh, exactly. That's yes. That's, <laughs> that's Doom the right there. The game balance is so perfect. Yeah. Yes, correct. Also, just shot, happens, that's, that's also way easier. Didn't you <laughs> that's buy a like happy this, little coincidence? Uh-huh. Didn't you buy like the super deluxe version anyway? So you're gonna get it when yeah, it comes out. I'll get it automatically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking was so pumped about this game. Uh oh, and how about you? What have you been playing? Uh, so I've been playing uh, a bit of WoW as per usual. Uh, I've actually a been bit. playing. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, it turns out that PAX panels and World of Warcraft go just hand in hand so well. I think that I've probably watched about forty hours of PAX panels, if not more. Mm. Yeah. Um, I have like I've I've actually been paying attention to what's what uh you know like what's there rather than just having it on in the background. Um, and it's been very interesting. Uh, one of the things that I did want to briefly bring up while playing WoW Classic here, uh, is I have been trying to do a lot of dungeons and it is interesting to me that the place that, you know, the, uh, server that I'm on, that the dungeons are very hard to get into during the day, which I kind of like assumed a little bit, but a lot of people are just sitting there asking higher level people to run them through dungeons and they'd pay them and i couldn't fathom why they just didn't want to like i would be sitting there and be just like hey dude like i see that you're spamming chat for someone to run this dungeon with you why not instead of paying someone to run it you know run you through it join my group in me and we will have a full party and can do it and like fucking no one would do that it was just like no one would do it. And I could not understand why until someone pointed out the fact that they're like, oh, I'm working. And I was like, oh, I get it. A lot of people are home from work because of COVID. They're sitting at home. They have it up and open, but they can't exactly interact as much to actually run the dungeon with a group of people. But they could interact with it enough to pay somebody and just like follow them around while they're working from home. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, it was just like a really neat way that like the real world is impacting the virtual world of this game. Uh, And I interesting. Yeah. Like, I just thought that was like a very interesting thing, because like when I played WoW back in the day and when I played classic when it first came out, no one did this shit. Like, it was unheard of that you would pay, you know, money upon money for people to run you through raids. I was like, this is so fucking weird. And now I understand why. And I was like, oh, I guess that's like, there is a need for it. And then people found a market and made a market for being like, and so now like, there's just an entire like, industry of people sitting there just being like, Hey, you know, running four people through so and so at this time, you know, pay me ten gold and I'll run you through it. And you can be one of the people. And I was like, huh, 
Like that's that's a very interesting, you know, supply and demand story of World of Warcraft that I thought was kind of neat. Hmm. Um, I've also been playing some of the Super Mario 3D All Stars because Super Mario 64 and Sunshine and like why not? It's you might as well get it while it's currently available. Yeah, I, I thanks Nintendo. I. I <laughs> Was going to get a physical copy of it, but every place that I went to to look for a physical copy was sold out. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Or... <laughs> yeah. How many GameStops was... did you go to? I went to no GameStops. I literally like <laughs> went to Amazon problem. and Target.com, and both of them were just like, hey, we already sold out. And I was like, huh. Hmm. And then I was like, waited for release day and Amazon uh, to see if the Target down the street from me would have had it. And they didn't, and I didn't feel like going to the closest one that did. So I was like, "All right, well, I'm just gonna digitally download this and start going through, uh, you know, the first level." And I did, and it was fun. I like it's exactly what it is and what you expect it to be, and I have no complaints. Like it's, it's just, exactly what it is. It, it's it is, you know, it's Super just Mario's those games 64. on a Switch. Yeah, like I, it, it, there's nothing fancy about it. They didn't really do much, at least that I can tell. The only thing I'm curious about is how Galaxy plays. Because that was yeah. on Wii. Right. I bet it's fine, though. Like, you use the motion controls to spin, which mm-hmm. can just be a button. Um, I mean, there was some gimmicky stuff, but... You could, like, collect yeah, the, the, the star things with the pointer. You could also just run into them, though. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a lot harder to do that. <laughs> I mean, when I played it, that's all I did. I never pointed at the screen. Yeah, I also didn't huh. bother doing. So I, I was trying to play Mario. <laughs> I did. I did purchase that game just so I could have it on my Switch. So. Have you played any of it, or you, you nope. just you just downloaded it and you're like, I, I downloaded it. it. Has he mm. played it? Did you see the amount of demos this man yeah, played this I know. last <laughs> this last Fortnite? I'm this I last Fortnite. You all Jeez. went the route of uh, playing. That's not even all, all of the ones. The those those are just like the interesting ones, I think. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but a lot we're not talking about. And then uh, the last thing is, I have been uh, playing some of the Sims Four Star Wars expansion. Um, and can I just say I'm so surprised you're playing a Star Wars related <laughs> thing? Um, it's fine. <laughs> I, I it's think, the sims there's yeah, no way really you would come away from that and go anything other than it's fine i mean i like the sims uh i feel a little disappointed with uh the storyline that they kind of like they give each is there storylines uh, in the th- sims there's a little well with this there is so when you go to batu you can join the resistance the first order or the um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ewoks. No, it's the <laughs> Empire. No, they're like the Renegades. Like you play as like pirates. What rebels? Scoundrels. Scoundrels. Uh, That's what I was scoundrels. looking for. Scoundrels. <laughs> um, and so you can join any of those, and they give you little missions. So they're just like, hey, go to the First Order and hack into one of their uh, bases, or go over to uh, this place and find a bunch of gems. Uh, Just kind of like things like that. And uh, kind of the antithesis, not the antithesis, but like the the 
big finale of it all is that once you get to a high enough rank you get a special mission and so you have to like recruit people for the special mission and like train up for it and then you go on this like the special mission and it's very disappointing in my opinion because it's very like so all of the missions that you go on including the special mission pretty much have like a thing of just like at some point you click on an X-Wing or the TIE Fighter or whatever, and then you go off screen and then there's like a little blurb of just being like, while you were flying around, a TIE Fighter showed up. Do you go through the minefield or do you, you know, start shooting or try to outrun it? And then you have like one of the three options and you just click it and you, depending on how much of what you've leveled up in the Star Wars world, you can have different options. But you only ever get two prompts. And it always gives you the, pretty much the same result. So it doesn't really matter. And even when you get to like the big finale that's supposed to be this like huge thing, it's still just two prompts. Uh, we did the scoundrel one, and you rob a casino on Cantobite, which sounds really cool. But then you do so much of nothing. It's literally just like, okay, cool, you walk in. Do you throw coins or do you start a fist fight to like distract the guards? All right, you're past the guards. Do you take the money this way or do you take the money that way? All right, cool, you're done. And that's it. And it just felt very like anticlimactic of I really was hoping that at least if you're going to have this be some sort of like big finale that you would have a little bit more story written for it. Like. Um like, it's not even like the, the story isn't flavorful, because they definitely kept it in the Star Wars realm, and I feel like they did a good job of that, but it also feels like they definitely just, like, wrote these in a day. Like, they just were like, alright, what do we got? And they just jotted everything they had down, and then they were done. And they never revisited or tried to, like, make it a little bit more. And that felt very disappointing to me. Um, it sounds pretty on par for Star Wars, though. <laughs> Being Boom, disappointing. That JJ. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Fucking get at J me. JJ. Right, Star Wars better. <laughs> I mean, hot takes considering Jedi Fallen Order is like fucking amazing. JJ didn't write that. That's true. <laughs> I'm comparing it to other Star Wars video games that didn't suck. He's uncredited. Yeah. Uh, those, I'm sadly. sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but JJ is like, going to do something uncredited. I doubt it. <laughs> having having the Star Wars Sims stuff, I feel like it's Sims and it's Star Wars. You talk to aliens, you can try to romance aliens. You know, you get Star Wars outfits. You can put some of that stuff into your, um, you know, into your house when you're not visiting Batu. Batu is beautifully recreated from what it is in the books and the theme park. I know some people were saying that they were like, oh, man, this is just like the theme park. And it's like, yeah, that's the point. Like, that's that's Batu. I don't like I don't know what you're expecting it to look like other than exactly what they built in the theme park and everywhere else. Like, that's it. Right. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, first and foremost, we've been playing some Among Us. Uh, we actually oh. played for Alex's birthday. I was wondering if anyone was going to talk about this. Yeah, man, mm. what a solid game. What a great um, game. Yeah. Uh, social deduction games, I feel like, are kind of hit and miss. This one's pretty good. Um, it's kind of short, and it's a lot of fun because everybody's just kind of silent during the game, and then you come back for a little uh, panel to point fingers at people and then eject people from a spaceship. Have which... you played any of this without our group? 
Uh, I have not yet. No. Okay. Have you? I've, I played. I played about two to three hours with just randos. Uh, randos. Really? Yeah. Was it all text or did you guys it's, have? Yeah, it's all text. Because there's all... no in-game there, chat. When, like... when you do it in a public one, there's an in-game chat. Okay. Um. Okay. Also, it does hook up with people that are playing uh, on Android or iOS. Oh, um, weird. That yeah, is so you you do have a cross-platform play when you're doing that, and you can like type into it and everything. Uh, but it's weird. I did not like playing with other people. Um, I very much more enjoy the camaraderie that we have while playing that game versus the just being in a public lobby um mainly just because of the fact that like either a you're going to face somebody that's ridiculously good as uh the imposter and like by the time you find a dead body the entire place is just emptied like i the yeah. first time i was found a dead body i went to it and i reported it and then like i realized that two-thirds of my lobby was already gone and we were like a couple of minutes into the game and I was like, what the fuck? Like, where did everyone go? How did everyone die so fast? Um, it's either that or just the chat is just weird. And like people would either think that you're the. You're the imposter for not knowing where places are because they're like, oh, well, where were you red? And I'd just be like, uh, I was in the like the front of the ship. I don't know what the name of it is. I've been playing for a couple of hours. And they're like, he's sus. And then they vote me out. And I was like, uh, what? Like, just because I didn't yeah. like realize the name of a place or like the name of a specific task. I was like, I don't know. What's the the one where you swipe the card? I don't know what the fuck that name is. And they just instantly boot you out. Yeah, I'm sure there's something to, like, once you learn how the game is played, you learn the space, you learn, like, what the tasks are, you start to develop, like, a memory of how to lie. And so if you get to the point at which you you haven't played enough and you're playing with people who have, trying to come up with something or even describe something that they already know is probably pretty difficult. Yeah, I will say, though, the exciting part about this game or the interesting thing, I think, is that it gives you so many parameters you can mess with to balance the game mm -hmm. out. Um, I don't know that social deduction games normally do this, but there's probably 20 different things you can adjust uh, from player sight distance to imposter sight distance to time between kills to the amount of tasks people have so that if you feel like the game is imbalanced one way or the other, you just tweak a couple of things and continue to play. Uh, I, like I find that very beneficial for groups because then if we feel like yeah. it's just out of balance, you can just change something. You can balance it like specifically for your group of friends right. instead of yeah having the devs balance it for the masses. Right. Speaking so, of the devs. Yeah, that's the other interesting thing. So these guys, um, Alex and I were talking about this, I think a couple weeks ago, and he had mentioned that when this game came out in, two, in 2018 and for a while, this only had like a couple hundred people playing. Is that what you were saying? Maybe yeah, less. like 50 to 80 was their concurrent. Oh, 50 to 80. And I mean, this game, 2018, usual. right? Yeah, 2018. Yeah. And then just like two months ago, well, actually last week when we played, it had 1.5 million concurrent players. And this guy never developed his servers to handle this, which is why we ran into so many problems. So they came out and they were like, hey, we're going to do Among Us 2 up until yesterday when they were like, actually, we're not going to do Among Us 2. We're scrapping it. We're just going to fix the game we have now, make it better and take all of this content we were developing developing for Among Us 2 and just put it in the first game so you guys can have it. 
Yeah, which, which I thought was a great move. Like, that was, hey, we're going to fix the servers. We're giving you a new map. We're going to add, like, new colors and different ways of being able to, uh, you know, tell the colors apart. So that way we can have all of these, like, different hues without messing up people that are colorblind. Like, I think it was just, like, a lot of good ideas. And I'm glad to see that it's yeah. coming to the game. I also think it's really smart of them to not take a couple of years and develop a new game, but instead try to put stuff in this one that is mm. currently like on fire. Yeah. yeah. Because they're probably going to make way more money if they do it this way. Like if they yep. put, if they fix the servers and then like add a few cosmetics for people to buy or something, they're going to make so much money. True. Well, this game's going to continue to be high. It's not like people play it for a little bit and they're over it. I mean, I, like Plus, it's yeah, still very content. enjoyable. Yeah. So it's I, still I, it's number three on Steam right now, which is crazy. It's so crazy. Concurrent players, yeah. I'm excited for them, I, and I'm glad they made that decision because I think you're right. If you make the decision to go, okay, we have over a million concurrent players. Let's just make a new game, and then we'll sell it to them and make more money. Well, by the time you're done developing, you know the current game is not functioning how it should. People get frustrated. They don't come back to your new game. But if right. you just make what you have better. You continue to gain momentum and, you know, have all these players who are buying your game and enjoying it. It's a cool game. If you haven't played it, just go try it out. It's it's very fun. It's a very good social deduction or game. Or turn on Twitch and click on a random user. Yeah. They're probably yeah. playing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's... Cr I, last I checked, it was free on iOS. So <laughs> there's really no reason not to at least yeah. pick it up and play it with your friends. Uh, I've also been playing a couple other things. Uh, of course, Overwatch, since the new season started, um, I've felt pretty, pretty good about some of the balancing they've done, especially with Roadhog. Um, they still need to do a little bit more. There's a couple DPS players that are just way out of balance uh, and just make the game not fun. Today. Did they? Thank yeah. goodness. How it's so? only been since it, since it was released. I think they yeah. took it the explosion took it from the 75 to 50. Oh. Oh, wow. Good. That's still, I mean, anything on that would be great. Yeah, I, me and Caleb were actually talking about this the other day. I think a lot of Ash's kit just isn't very fun. Yeah. Like, Coach yeah. Gun's cool, and Dynamite is cool in theory, but in reality, it's just a huge damage over time that's almost impossible to purge. Yeah. And yeah. her ult, Bob, is way too good, I think. Her, her ult, Plus Bob, it's kind is not an interesting concept in no. any way for gameplay i no, think and it's it, very boring it's and very boring strong. Yeah. it's boring for the character playing ash because what are you doing yeah. you're still doing the same thing when you ult right yeah you're like okay cool i'm killing extra people with this sixth character but or seventh player but whatever it's you not... just push a win button and then you keep playing ash like normal yeah. correct correct I like whereas it. everyone else you have this cool <laughs> ult effect you play you ash a lot approach i like it i like playing against it too because i'm usually playing anna and sure. if I'm good at Anna, then I can basically nullify her ult. Man, do you remember when they did the experimental card and made Bob immune to sleep? Oh my <laughs> so gosh. Stupid. Why yeah. would you do why that? I don't know why they didn't roll that out. <laughs> oh, they should man. just go ahead and make all mechanical characters immune to sleep. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. And yeah, yeah, Marissa can't sleep them. Yep. No, there's no yeah. reason to sleep them. Doesn't make sense. Baptiste, um, McCree, and Arissa also got some buffs. So buffs? that's cool. Yeah, yeah, Baptiste. On Bap? What does he need buffed? They yeah. said that they reduced his AoE healing, and that's what he usually gained most of his ult from, so they decreased his ult cost by 15%. Okay. Whatever. 
McCree's I mean, I like roll distance is increased by 20%, and his oh. stun is increased from 0.7 to 0.8 seconds. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there you, there you go. Awesome, McCree. <laughs> uh, Arisa, Arisa got an extra 50 armor, and okay. her projectile big. speed was increased from 90 to 120. Like an extra Ooh. 50 health that is armor, or yeah, 50 yep. of her health is now armor? Um base armor increased from 200 to 250 so i think it's just an extra 50 uh, yeah that's that actually great buff. for her she's yeah, that's been very nice just dunked on for a while yeah mm-hmm. so that's all cool uh, i've also been playing some destiny just grinding so we can play some dungeons i don't know why i've been getting back into destiny lately but <laughs> it's just a quality a game this is quality game I think we're leveling up enough we can play prophecy done yeah, i mean now. i'm 1044 now so yeah i think balance yeah. is like 1041 right yeah, I went yep. and did some soul sucking grinding the other day just to get it done. <laughs> it was say, awful. One thing I've discovered recently that I I know many of us have not played is the Drifters Hall, um, the Reckoning. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've only ever done the first thing of the Reckoning, which is kind of just this dumb little triangular map where you're killing a bunch of enemies. But mm-hmm. the moment you get an upgraded moat synthesizer and you can go to the second or third tier. It is a much more intense, like enjoyable, difficult experience than what that first dumb like map is. Hmm. It like progresses huh. you forward. You meet new enemies. You have like a, like you really have to play as a team. It's not at all what the first um, just like gaining control or whatever they call it of that of that map space. So I've been playing a lot of that, trying to up my uh, gambit armor so that I can get to the point where I can do huge blockers, which I'm very excited about. Uh, which is 20 motes. Once you get like upgraded enough on your gamut armor, you can drop 20 motes in it. I think it sends an ogre to the other side. Sends an ogre? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge blocker instead of the Damn. large blocker, which is what people normally can send. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. The moment I upgraded my moat synthesizer from weak to moderate or whatever the second tier is, every gambit match I play, people are like leagues beyond me in terms mm-hmm. of the gambit gear they're wearing. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I bet if you don't get the that level, it doesn't match you with anybody that has it. I don't think it does. And I don't think a lot of people do that. So I think that's why getting, you know, I got matched with somebody the other day that had was just sending heavy blockers all the time. And it was a team of four. And almost all of them had armor that gave them enough stat boosts in order to get whatever the top level benefit was for their type of like their path they took in Gambit. Mm-hmm. So they were just absolutely destroying us. I think we had like three moats deposited when the game was over after they'd killed their Wow. Final boss. Yeah, it was awful. But still, uh, still cool game modes. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this transition works out with the new expansion, not expansion, the next part, I guess, of Destiny 2. Yeah. D- Destiny 3, really. <laughs> uh, also played a little Darksburg, which, Caleb, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about this. Um, you had it on I your mean, list, but... I only put it on my list so that one of us would talk about it. Okay. I'll briefly like touch Pittsburgh base on it. Pittsburgh at night. Yes, it is. Uh, right, right after the sun goes down. Uh, Darksburg is a roguelite, um, just action co-op game uh, that's like zombie-based. It feels like... Um, it's just it's worth co- pointing out, it's now roguelike. It oh, wasn't sorry. before. Yes, that's true. Before it, it wasn't was a before. Left dead, top-down, left-for-dead kind of game. Yes, and now they've added this sort of co-op version where you go through several stages and progress your stats and add abilities until you find a final boss and then you're done. Yeah, Except which we have... Beat the final boss on our second try. So that, yeah, that's not great. Probably on the lowest difficulty. There was three difficulties. That, that's the okay. one key. Yeah, we were that, very low that, difficulty. That could help. I think the game is really cool. 
um, I really, really like the art style of this game. And I think the map generation is pretty neat. The one thing I have to say about this is that I don't encounter a lot of special enemies with the exception of the fact that they're all coming at once. Like, yeah, I don't really... We had them come all at once a lot. Yeah. So just it, grab somebody randomly. Is it designed or is it proc gen? I don't know. Because, like, normally you imagine, like, you're playing through something like Left 4 Dead. Like, you're progressing through a map, right? And you just encounter somebody. Somebody gets caught by something. Mm-hmm. And this, you kill a whole bunch of normal enemies. And then when you wipe an area that happens to be, like, a pretty intense area where you have to go through a door or something... All of a sudden, like four or five special enemies spawn, and they're very difficult to deal with. Hmm. So it's worth noting that we played it just before the official 1.0 release. Yep. Um, and I read through those patch notes, and so they've changed some of that stuff. So oh, good. Special infected no longer spawn randomly. They're spawned at certain points, and they're already on the map when you start. So they don't That's just like awesome. show up somewhere. That's much better. Um, They've also reworked like several of the characters' abilities. Like uh, Wolf Boy, I forget his name. Like his kit is like totally different now. Yeah. Oh. So there's a bunch of stuff that's changed. Yeah, they just came out with the 1.0 release. Yeah. It's worth yep. I think yesterday, the day before, something like that. Yeah. That's very exciting. Um, the only person to play in that game is Sister Abigail. That's it. <laughs> they you just kill everyone. Didn't, they didn't really touch Sister Abigail. Yes. They, they said in the patch notes that she was by far the most popular and they kind of modeled the rest of the characters after her. Good. <laughs> I feel like she was a little bit overpowered compared to the rest of our squad. Quite so possibly. as long as they bring people, I mean, I have my ult. I, no joke. I, I felt like every like 15 seconds I could fire my ult off, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that, that was like towards the end of a roguelite run when you've got like the right upgrades in combination. So that's true. True, true. I think it, it's supposed to kind of feel like that at some point. Um, it is a really cool game. If you want to pick it up right now, actually, it's 50% off in the Steam store. So. Oh, is it really? Because yeah, I did want to pick bucks. that up to play with you guys. It seems a lot of fun. Yep, it's really cool. Uh, Caleb, how about you? What have you been playing? I've been playing a lot of stuff. You mentioned Darksburg. Um, I've been playing this game called Deleveled, uh, which came out, I think, a couple weeks ago. Maybe a week ago. But a little, little puzzler puzzle game where you have two squares and they have opposite gravity and you're always playing on these levels that are in the center of the screen so they're both being pulled towards the center of the level and there's a like a conservation of momentum so if one's on a high spot and one's on a flat on the flat line in the center and the one the high spot drops off and hits it it'll start like a bouncing and it'll like trade momentum constantly so you got to figure out how to like get them to various locations on these levels by conserving your momentum between the two. It kind of felt like an Ibn Ob kind of thing almost. Yeah, like a single player Ibn Ob. Yeah, yeah. But it's pretty enjoyable. I think I'm through like three of the five worlds. It's getting pretty tough now. Hmm. Might be getting to that point in puzzle games where it's like, is this worth the <laughs> The cutoff point. Because, man, all puzzle games, I feel like, have this. The point at which you learn that you can spike the sausages in Steven's sausage roll, and you're like, mm, <laughs> this is added a whole nother level. Wait, you can do what? Have you ever played Steve, Steven's sausage roll? Yeah, and I'm stuck in it, and you're telling me I can start yeah. spiking stuff at some well, point? Well, at some point, it gives you, you the ability them. for your like forklift thing to stab the sausages and then just carry them around. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things in that game. It's crazy. 
Um, I've also been playing a ton of this game called Spirit Fair. Um, this also came out this year sometime. I don't remember if it was recent or not, but I finally picked it up. It's first of all, it is uh, gorgeous animation, very very pretty. But the premise of the game is you are this spirit fairer, and there are these. Mm, no, say. Yeah, there are these um, presumably dead people that you meet, and a lot of them you like knew in your past life before you were the spirit fairer. And you have this big boat, and you kind of build it up with all of these people's houses, and you build like a farm and the kitchen and whatnot. And you're kind of ferrying them around the world trying to sort of finish their storyline, like sort of deal with their hang-ups in life. And then eventually, mm. once you've dealt with those, you take them back to the gate and pass them on to whatever the next world is. This game That's hits nice. hard, doesn't it? I can tell already. I mean, I haven't gotten to the point where it's really hit hard. Like, I took, I, so far I've completed one character, but it's like, it's like the, the tutorial character, kind of. Mm. You think a game about ferrying well. people to the other world might get kind of gloomy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. One day I'm gonna I'm gonna knock on his door and he's gonna be like, "Yeah, yeah come in, I come in." He's like teared up. <laughs> Sorry, he's got a jar of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it. It is actually pretty heart wrenching. So I've I've we'll heard see. good things about this. So yeah, the like I said, the animation style is freaking beautiful. So Did that, I miss it? What that the... alone is a lot of fun. What'd you say the gameplay was like? The gameplay is like um, there's I mean there's not much to it you're kind of just running around this boat talking to the various people on it and then sending it somewhere and just doing various it's almost like almost like a crafting game kind of thing on the boat so you have like mm. a farm you're harvesting stuff from and a kitchen where you're cooking some stuff and occasionally you go fishing so it's kind of like a harvest moon em up sure <laughs> yeah but you'll also go to various islands and go explore them and you know, it, that that portion is almost like a Metroidvania without any combat. So, like, platforming? Yeah, lots of platforming, yeah. Okay. And, like, it's got kind of that Metroidvania exploration where you can't complete some areas until you go find an upgrade and come back. Gotcha. Interesting. It's pretty enjoyable so far. I think the writing in it's super good. The music is awesome. It's just, it's very relaxing and chill. Except I feel like that's about to it's about to get way more intense, I feel like. Oh, these guys made when the tears Yoten. start rolling. Yeah. These guys I made Yoten, Caleb. Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't 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 know that. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily a great game, but very visually stunning in that case too. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Uh, I've also been playing some I played this demo with Alex. Well, I say with Alex. I thought it was co op. The demo itself is not. The game itself is. Is it only two players, Alex? Two you know? players, yep. Two player. But it's a first person shooter roguelike. Um it's got some it's got What's some neat aspects to the art, RoboQuest. There you go. <laughs> uh what? I'm lost. He, never, he just never said the name of it. You just started explaining what the game was without yeah, giving us a name. That's the one I said it. RoboQuest. Um, okay. But it's got some interesting art style to it. It's like almost... It is cel-shaded, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a little Borderlands-y looking. Yeah, and it even plays a little Borderlands-y. But it's got some... 
I guess the, I don't know if Borderlands also does that, but like when you fire guns, it'll like say the onomatopoeia above the guns and stuff while you're firing them. So like yeah, it's got dual some, crossbows, say flap, 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 flap. Got some like comic comic book style to it. Yeah. And it's just so far, it's been a lot of fun. I've only played with the two classes that are in the demo, um, but both of them have some pretty good, pretty interesting roguelike upgrades to them. And you like find new weapons as you go through and power up and stuff. But so far, pretty yeah. enjoyable. The movement and guns all feel really good. It actually reminds me more of uh, Doom than Borderlands in that in that yeah. way. Yeah, hmm. maybe not Eternal, but original. Right. Where it's yeah, just when you say like, original. Well, 2016. 2016. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Just making sure. This there is are a lot of movement options in the game, which does make it a lot of fun. There's like rails you can grind on and stuff. Mm-hmm. At um, one point, I upgraded my melee to where if I held down my melee for a second, you, I'd throw like a shuriken. Yeah. That was fun. That thing did a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. You crit people. Uh, I've also played some of this game called most of this game. It's called There Is No Game Wrong Dimension. Mm. I picked this up. I read some stuff about it, and they're like, "Oh, it's like better than Pony Island." I was like, "Oh, okay. I like Pony Island. Check it out. It's not. It's not better than Pony Island. <laughs> mm. That's just. That's just wrong. They lied to you. Yeah. It's. It's very meta. So I can see like the comparisons to Pony Island because you're like playing games within games and it's it's very very meta but i don't really like the main narrator at all and it it tries to be funny a lot and it's just kind of yeah so i don't know not amazing that's too bad yeah i had seen it toted as like a possible game of the year kind of game but i do not think so unless this last chapter gets crazy it is overwhelmingly positive on Steam, both recent I mean, and of all time. It's good. It's just not not anything that I was expecting based on what I'd read about it. Mm. Uh, the last thing I played is this game, this demo called uh, Yinglet. Yinglet, I think. Y-N-G-L-E-T. Yinglet is my guess. Um, it kind of felt like flow because you're this worm-like mm. creature kind of just flying around through this stage. It, it's got a platforming aspect to it where like there's gravity and there are these big shapes and anytime you're in a shape you kind of just swim around in it and then when you hop out of one like gravity takes over and so you have to you get like a dash and stuff and you got to kind of move around it but it's not it's not like a hard as nails platformer it's a very relaxing one that doesn't really have any difficulty to it so far at least in the demo the art style looks crazy yeah it's pretty it's cool just like like pen drawn art basically yeah yeah and i think it i think it does some like uh watercolor stuff mm. it, it it's very pretty it's cool that's cool. it um okay well let's talk about a couple things uh outside of what we've been playing lately uh most importantly our post pop post packs online uh we didn't i don't we really talk about much pre pop talked about it a little bit but uh, I know some of us watched some of the uh, the sessions that were for the panels that were held. Um, one of which was uh, story time with Mike Pondsmith, which Owen, did you actually partake in that? Keynote? Oh yeah, no. Like I, 
like I said, I've I've watched probably over forty hours worth of all of the streams. And oh everything. my like, gosh! Yeah, I have literally just been sitting here watching a bunch of the streams actively while playing World of Warcraft. Like so, yeah, that stream. So many more that I would love to get into. But yeah, I liked I liked Mike's uh, Mike's keynote speech. I thought it was really cool. I thought that um, it was very neat how inclusive he seemed to other developers like he was very much just like hey the reason i'm here is because people before me paved the way and you know they gave me their advice and so now i'm here to be that person for you so if you have questions about your game you know send them my way and i'll do the same thing so that way you know like we can continue this kind of trend of like you know the apprentice becomes the teacher uh, and I cool. thought that was like a really cool thing uh, that he was talking about. And I was like, yeah, that's like, that's neat. And that's a, like a really nice uh, camaraderie of, of uh, developers and things like that. Um, and he like was mentioning how he got into it, which I also thought was a really cool story of how it was basically just modding a previous RPG that he liked. And then he mentioned the mod to the creator and he was like yeah no i understand like that was that was the problem i had when i created the damn thing i'm so glad that you've modified it and then like that's kind of how it all started wow uh i also watched that one and all those things that you said i i noticed as well and then there's one other thing i wanted to mention which he talked about going to conventions and um like how they bring their their product with them to sell or whatever but they have like a bunch of it he said that a lot of times as the convention's ending they just run around and trade all of the product they have for other people's product and so they end up taking back with them like as much as they brought it's just like all new games though yeah because they want to try everybody else's stuff i thought that was such a cool thing weird yeah they literally just like swap copies of games that's really cool, actually. Huh. Uh, what uh, else uh, specifically stood out to you outside of the um, the keynote, Owen, that you wanted to highlight? So I thought that one was really cool. Uh, there was a very good panel on, like, what is roguelike because of the fact that that gets used to describe so many games at this point, and it means so many different things. Uh, that they were talking about, you know, like, what are the characteristics of things that, you know, make a roguelike a roguelike? Uh, And the thing that one of the panelists was trying to argue, which I think he did very effectively and I thought was very interesting, was he mentioned that pretty much every single Battle Royale game is a roguelike. Because Mm. they were like, Mm. if you think about it, the fact that every single instance of the game, you don't know what you're going to start with. You don't know, like, where your enemies are going to be. It's always a unique uh, encounter with the enemies. And then the second that you die, you start from square one again and you do it again. And they were just like, so every single Battle Royale game that you've ever played is a roguelike. And I was just like, my mind was just blown. I was just like, (laughs) Jesus, like, what? Um, I think that means Caleb loves Battle Royales now. Yeah, (laughs) I was about to just argue against that point. I'm sure that there are other reasons not to, but it was just really interesting of hearing them talk about how just like, it's a, at this point roguelike is such a terrible term because it's so broadly applied to so many different types of games that it doesn't quite explain games well anymore because the entire point of it was like rogue the game 
and it is like that game the same way that we use soul like and now it right. just means something completely different that it's like some sort of genre but it has nothing to do with the original rogue game yeah like nobody so, even really knows what rogue is at this point yeah, yeah not anymore so that was that was an interesting one um i watched a ton of the panels uh that were talking about uh inclusivity in games uh and diversity in games and things like that which uh you know obviously should happen makes sense um they kind of for lack of a better term felt kind of cut and repeat after a while you kind of you know you understand it's just like yes it's a good thing to have more women in video games because then you have better scenes written uh there is a wonderful panel that a bunch of the uh, uh a bunch of people did uh that was like steamy or sexy the great video game sex scene debate and apparently they do this every single year where each of the panelists will bring a sex scene from video games uh to the panel and then they talk about the good and the bad of it and I thought it was hilarious. Uh, Jake, I don't know how far you got in Final Fantasy the Seven remake. Mm, not but far. They, but they brought up that at some point, uh, Cloud goes to a like massage parlor, a brothel. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> and and so like you know she like offers this this you know courtesan offers to like take him back uh, and everything, and so he's like, yeah, I'll go, and she just massages his hand. That's all it Fuck is. Yeah. That's is it, it's it's <laughs> just she massages his hand, but like it's so innuendo filled. And she's like, "Oh, let me just, let me just get the tips, and I'll work it down to the base." And like it is the most sexual hand massage. You oh know. my gosh! It is it is the most ridiculous thing. Uh, and it was just such a funny like. And they were talking about the ways that they did it well and why they did it well and like the bad parts of it. And then they had some other um, uh, they brought in like another game scene that was like super bad and just like stereotypical. And it was just like, yeah, this isn't nobody likes this. The player doesn't like it. The developer didn't like making it like this is just an awful sex scene. Why does this exist? Um, so I thought that that's definitely a thing I'm going to look out for the next time we go to PAX, because they, apparently they do this every year. Uh, and that just seems like an interesting uh, and a very fun one. Uh, also, I watched a couple of the panels about uh, Extra Life, which I don't know if any of you guys have caught that. Um, but it was really neat seeing where all of the money that we raise every single year goes. Mm-hmm. Um, like right they were... into our pocket, right? We just pocket all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just because they were talking about how, um, you know, it goes to these kids and it goes to these hospitals to buy new technology and how they use the technology for therapy or to relieve stress. Uh, they were mentioning that some of the things that they do is that they like bring it in as part of the surgery. And so they were talking about how like when they do brain surgery, sometimes they give a kid like a switch or something to play with. So that way they're like, cause they have to be there for several hours under some like level of anesthesia, but they can't put them fully asleep. And right. so they're like, Hey, you know, here, play this game. And you know, when your like right arm goes numb, let us know. Uh, and, and, 
yeah and so like that way it keeps the kid calm and something like, something to do and it was just such like an interesting thing that i was sitting here i was like shit i want that like if i ever have to get a goddamn surgery give me a fucking switch and then like yeah actually because... you are you do have one i think but like as as like part of the treatment and yeah, the surgery yeah. itself and how they work it in um i also didn't think about how they were talking um, about how much they love VR but can very rarely use it, uh, which I thought was really interesting because they were like, yeah, VR is great. It takes the kid out of there. But the problem is a lot of the VR headsets are cloth and they can't clean that well. Oh, yeah. And so they have to have it be a like a level of plastic so they can easily disinfect it and then hand it to the next kid. And mm. that was just something that I've like I've never even thought about. That never crossed my mind at all of just you know how to keep these things clean. inherently men yeah. antimicrobial essentially. Exactly. And I was like, "Oh man, I I you know, I just thought about, you know, how would they use this in, you know, in a surgery or how do they use this to improve the kids, not, you know, oh, how we we can't give this to them because, you know, there could be bacteria on it that the kid can't get infected with." Um I did read the other day actually, uh, just on a side note for Extra Life. Um they'd posted in 2020 that they had raised over 70 million dollars since they started in 2008, which is kind of crazy. So it's yeah. a lot of money in 12 years to just raise with people playing video games. Yeah. It, it's 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 an insane thing. And it's also do you know the like how Extra Life started? No. So they they went into that in one of the panels of how it all kicked off and apparently uh uh the the heads of Penny Arcade uh read an article about how like video games were just uh like murder guides like there was no benefit to video games and they really hated that article and so they just like put so out they a killed the person who wrote it <laughs> well <so> they, <laughs> they just they put out a tweet and they said hey you know we're gonna we're trying to collect some money so we can buy all of these video games and toys and things for uh our local hospital and they raised like 1.5 million dollars and then they looked at each other and were like, oh, shit, like, this is a legit thing. Like, we can't we have to do this again next year and we have to make this a nonprofit. Like, there's no way we can't not do it. Obviously, they like they tapped into something. And so then they basically looked at their friends and they tapped them on their shoulders and they're like, can you we're running Penny Arcade. Can you guys like run this nonprofit and then just like handed it off and made extra life? Hmm interesting uh, yeah and i i thought that was also a really cool thing um there was a lot of music panels this year just talking about like the music of different video games the music theory behind how music is used in video games how they make um uh you know sound decisions and sound effects uh so there's a lot of that going around and a lot of like a lot of just top blank um i feel like alex would have a field day from his alex times because it was pretty much just <laughs> whoa, like whoa, whoa. we don't talk about those anymore yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> you know it was just all right you know we're going to talk about the top 10 super mario villains and so then they would just argue what are the top 10 super mario villains or okay we're going to talk about you know what the best 10 indie games ever made so far are um so there's a bunch of that. I know, Alex, you watched the uh, the Overwatch voice actors one. Yeah. What yeah, you... that was that was pretty interesting. 
Um, I don't know how much I can actually say about it. It's just uh, the voice actors talking about basically how they got into the voice acting business and how they've seen it become much more diverse and stuff like that over time. The one thing I remember uh, you telling me is that uh, the guy who voice acted Winston was so freaking smart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What's his name? Crispin Freeman. Crispin Freeman. Holy he shit. is very, very intelligent. Like, every single time that man opened his mouth, I could feel myself gaining brain cells. So I... <laughs> uh, you texted that to me, and yeah. I tweeted it at Crispin, and he <laughs> responded back. No. <laughs> and funny. he responded back, thank you so much for your kind words. I'm <laughs> glad that you liked the panel. And I was so amazed because <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that dude's really smart. And he has a podcast, so I'll have I, to check that out. I, yeah, I 100% have to start listening to his podcast because that man is just... It is another realm of intelligence that, that he has. And I was like, holy shit. I want to listen well to him all the time. Like any topic he was given, he could just like talk about it and just sounded like he knew exactly what he was saying. It was like he prepared a speech or something. It, yeah. In both of the panels that I watched that he was in, it was just impressive. And like, he didn't really talk that much. He, they were just like, uh, you know, like, oh, so, you know, how did you come across the character of Winston and, you know, what did you think of him and everything? And even, you know, that just sounded amazing. Uh, it was really interesting. He was telling a story about how um, he always viewed Winston as a side character, as like just like someone that was in the story, but like wasn't like important. And then as he was watching the shorts uh, that they were like putting in front of him that he had to read for He's like looking at it and he's like, wait, Winston calls, you know, all of Overwatch together. He's like, he's like the ringleader of Overwatch. He's like the guy. He is Overwatch. And they're like, yeah, dude, you're like the main character of this game. It's like you and Tracer. And he just was like pulled back. He was like, what the fuck? Like, I thought I was just (laughs) some random person. I was just thought I was like a monkey, you know? Yeah. Um... But yeah, like the overall, there was a lot of content because they were trying to fill the nine days and three streams. Uh, some nine of it nine. good, some of it bad. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I definitely had borrow fouring it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Wish they were there. Uh, our friends Art Fight were there though, so that was nice. I did watch that. Um, shout out to the locally based Art Fight. Um, but it, it definitely gave me an appreciation for a lot of the panels that we miss and kind of an idea of just like, Hey, if any of these people are going to be at, uh, unplugged or Boston, the next time we're actually able to be there in person, uh, that we should check some of them out because it, yeah. it was quality. Definitely. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, some other news related thing. Um, most importantly that Todd Howard recently sold Skyrim to Microsoft for $7.5 billion. Just when um, you yeah, think he couldn't sell Skyrim, hey, he listen. sells it one last time. Listen, man, this guy <laughs> is brilliant, brilliant. Seven point five billion dollars sale of Skyrim. No, no. So it's a. Uh, it's worth noting. It's not just Bethesda. It's like their parent company. So it's like Zenimax. Zenimax? Yeah. Wow. And everything that they own, including Bethesda. Um. Yeah, I thought this was a very interesting story because it's the by far the largest like video game acquisition I've ever heard of. Uh, some other mm-hmm. ones, just real quick that I could remember Twitch got bought by Amazon for a billion dollars and Minecraft or Mojang rather got bought by 
Microsoft for like $2.5 billion. That was like unheard of at the time. So now we have $7.5 billion transaction here. Jeez. So that seems like a good deal. Like that seems like a solid. <laughs> supposedly, so, supposedly this is the second largest game acquisition ever. The first one is Tencent when they bought the mobile game company oh. Supercell for $8.6 oh. billion dollars in 2016. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Tencent's think- a ridiculously large company too. I so. mean, yeah, yeah, they have to, to yeah, they're fine. Tencent's actually the Howard? seventh largest company in the world. Wow. Crazy. I, I have Crazy. that stat right here. <laughs> we just nice. posted right here. Just Got always have it up on one of my tabs. I, I had a tab with the bit largest companies because I had some things to say about this. Um, real quick, something very interesting though that I saw somebody mention: um, Deathloop is a PlayStation exclusive title, at least mm-hmm. timed exclusive. Mm-hmm. That's what? published by Bethesda. They said that they're still honoring all of the PlayStation exclusives that they had before the acquisition. That's so strange. Like Microsoft now owns a company that's going to put a game exclusively on a PlayStation. It's because yeah. Microsoft doesn't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right. Good, good point. Good point, Owen. So this is where I get into. <laughs> I was watching a YouTuber who's who works in marketing and he was talking about the console wars and basically how everybody thinks there's big, big war between Microsoft and Sony. But the way he sees it, basically, Microsoft doesn't care about Sony whatsoever because Microsoft is a one point five trillion dollar company and Sony is like a $95 billion company. So they're like 6% of the size of Microsoft. So Microsoft is basically like, we could buy all of Sony and it's like not a worthwhile contribution to like what we make every year. Sony makes about $8.3 billion a year. Microsoft makes about $48 billion a year. So... (laughs) (laughs) It's so different. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So they're they're not trying to win the console war. They're looking into the far future. They want literally every person to be paying them a service fee to play video games well, at some point in the future. You you mentioned how they're trying to get themselves set up as a service company for game pass and i think that this is exactly that because they they said all of these games are going to go on to game pass and i was like yeah i don't see this as like them trying to get exclusives away from sony for bullshit console wars like this is them being like hey we're gonna make game pass so goddamn worth it that you have to pay us money for it it's not it's it's not even just game pass it's also the all access stuff. Hey, let's yeah. give you equal installments to buy a $500 Xbox or however much it is. $400? I don't remember how much it is. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's it's essentially you're paying 35 bucks a month to have an Xbox, the highest the most powerful Xbox ever released, plus Game Pass for 2 years, plus Xbox Live Gold for 2 years. And you're just making equal payments. That is essentially just games as a service there. Like a like They're, a cell like phone. A subscription thing. Yeah, that's yep. exactly what it is. It's the same it's a subsidized that, that Apple does like with bill. iPhone. Yep. Because an iPhone could cost you a thousand dollars or you can just pay a monthly fee forever. Yep. And that's Which, <laughs> that's, that's what, what we want. do. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But that's what they want to do. And it, it makes sense. I mean, so they must certainly the want to become it. like the the Apple like iPhone game plus like Netflix of video games on top of that to like make it worth their while to be in video games. So I don't know. I just thought that was super interesting because Microsoft is 
the second largest company in the world, just behind Apple. So they just don't care what their the competition in the video game space right. does. Yeah, I would agree. I, I the, the subscription realm for this kind of is kind of too cool as well. I wanted to mention um, yesterday actually, Amazon res- revealed that they are announcing their new cloud gaming service. Same mm. thing. Like their ultimate goal is to get this as a subscription. However, they are taking the like traditionally Amazon route, like they do with their uh, Prime Studio stuff, where you basically pay for like subcomponent subscriptions. So you have Amazon Prime and then you have a subscription to HBO or Stars or whatever it is so you can watch that content through the Amazon platform. Same thing with their new service called Luna, which is a game streaming service. It has like some games up front, but you also have the option to subscribe to very specific platforms uh, as like subcomponents. So you can pay, you know, uh, $6 for the initial fee, but you can also pay 15 bucks a month and get access to all of uh, Ubisoft stuff. Or you can pay, and they're like, they're bringing on other people, but essentially that's the goal. They want to give you like little packet components so you can build on and use them as, yet again, another subscription service to play video games. Which is wild. What if cable but streaming video games? I mean, right. that's essentially what this is. That's what they're doing. You know, Amazon's the third largest company in the world. Like, very, <laughs> very close to Microsoft. They're 1,510,000,000. Microsoft is 1,537,000,000. Wow. That is close. How big is like Apple, $27 billion dollars of difference. <laughs> but they're so close. Apple is, is Apple? at 1,874,000,000. billion. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. I guess when you sell an iPhone for $1,000 and you just get people to continually pay that $1,000 on all of their phone bills, you'll be fine. I also saw an article that uh, that Amazon stock went up a little bit more recently. So last like Wednesday, Jeff Bezos became the first person in history to be a 200 billionaire. Wow. I mean, we thank just God. tax just him? <laughs> Not even the rich, just Jeff Bezos. I, I'm pretty sure we could take a billion away from him and he wouldn't notice. Like, he could just lose it on a train and just nothing would phase him. <laughs> yeah. For what I mean, it's at worth. At this point, it seems like he could lose literally half of his worth and not be adversely affected at all. For what it's worth, speaking yeah. of Jeff, I mean, Jeff Bezos, uh, Business Insider actually recently published an article that said he's on track to, by the year 2026, be the world's first trillionaire. Jesus Ooh. Christ. Because of how much Amazon's, like their growth, all of the platforms they're buying, what they're getting subscribership through, and he, like they're just expecting that it's going to have so much growth that he'll be the world's full, first trillionaire at the, at, uh, in the year 2026. Well, the world's ending, so... <laughs> <laughs> crazy stuff that's so much money like, I don't, uh, speaking I don't of, want to oh go sorry. ahead go ahead no go ahead i was just go gonna ahead, say go i don't want to derail us but like i don't know what's he do- what's he doing with it <laughs> nothing <laughs> like why doesn't he like you know pay his factory workers <laughs> seems like that'd be a cool <laughs> why place would he for do him that? to start you know I, he'd be I losing have... money if there is a single person in this world that is Scrooge McDucking their way through life, I have to imagine that is just Jeff Bezos diving into a swimming pool of nothing but dollar bills. Like, dollar bills? That wouldn't even be worth it. No, not worth his time. Like, not at all. Poor Bill Gates 
man he's tried so hard to like give a lot of his money away and do all these like helpful foundations and stuff and then all of a sudden everybody's like he's putting microchips and vaccines <laughs> he's, and like, he's using 5g to control everybody <laughs> 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 meanwhile jeff jeff is sitting over here on his 200 billion dollars like now nah, my factory workers are fine they're totally fine well Bill Gates <laughs> they're not is breathing, sir that's eh, all right <laughs> Bill Gates is part of the Giving Pledge uh, Foundation people who are all like, they're trying to give away over 90% of their wealth before they die. And I think yeah. that total net worth, yeah, based on this, what this is, that total net worth is $1.2 trillion. So by the year 2028, Jeff Bezos will have more money than they will have been able to <laughs> give away in the entirety of all of their, their wealth over their lives. Oh, it, man. Didn't Bill, wasn't it Bill Gates that said that I cannot spend as all the money I have, even if I tried? Like, isn't he just like actively just like, I cannot literally spend this much money? That's, I mean, if you think about the interest he probably makes off of the amount of money he has, like it would be. It's probably yeah. just true. I, I've, I've heard uh, that if you took all of their wealth and stacked it underneath of their bed. And they rolled off the bed. They ha they get so much interest that they would never touch the ground. Like it would just <laughs> wow. keep going down. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird description of that. But that's so crazy that they <laughs> like, just I, keep falling. I heard that analogy and I was like, that's just too much money. Like, <laughs> like at some point, hit the fucking ground, man. Like crazy. Okay. Let's jump back on to a couple other like money-based topics. One of which is there's been a couple launch disasters happen. Oh my uh, god. Half of it being the PS5 and half of it being the new RTX 3080 and 3090s. I just wanted a 3080, please. That was <laughs> yeah. it. I signed up for Nvidia's little newsletter. They're like, "Oh, give us your email and we'll email you when they go on sale." They emailed me an af an hour after they had sold out everywhere in the universe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I was just like, why why even bother at that point? Like just don't email me. <laughs> like I don't care anymore. I'm not gonna get it. Or email and be like, whoops, they're all gone. Yeah, sorry. We're really bad at this. <laughs> no, I think they sold out worldwide. I had heard in like 15 seconds. I don't know if there's any truth to that number, but it was yeah. pretty quick. It was extremely fast. And then anytime they're restocked anywhere, they're gone within like a minute or so. I mean, all I've been seeing is restocked for the low, low price of like a thousand one hundred dollars. Yeah. 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 Which I, I mean, God, man, I have a bunch of page monitors running on different places that are selling different models. And I do too. Occasionally, Amazon will pop up with one and it's like it. You can, it's available from these sellers for thirteen hundred dollars, and I'm yep. like, no, no, thank you. Not, not gonna do it. Actually, <laughs> the worst is when, like, ten minutes later, I get another notification that it changed again because they're sold out again. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> somebody bought them for thirteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> but the my thing favorite... is, like, oh, sorry, you go. No, I was just gonna say my favorite thing from this this whole thing has been people selling quote unquote paper edition listings of thirty eighties mm. and thirty nineties on eBay, where the description literally says. This is not an actual graphics card. It is a picture of a 3080 on a sheet of paper. Yep. And they are still selling for basically full price or more. Yeah, people God too excited just hitting the button too fast. Yeah, like, oh my God, I found one. <laughs> or bots yeah. buying them. Yeah. It could Gosh. be bots. 
Because that's, I hope that's what's happening. That's a lot of how, I mean, obviously, if it sold out in 15 seconds, a lot of that had to be bots. Yeah. But I, that's what I've heard is that, like, some group that used to do, like, shoe launches recently mm. got into, like, the entertainment business. Oh, no. I say entertainment business, but ba- buying entertainment things. And mm. that's why, like, this sold out so fast. PS5 was kind of its own can of worms because they mm-hmm. not only did they have like the same issue of like bots buying them all, but they like they had their event and they were like, OK, they didn't say when they would go on sale during the event. But after the event, one of like the PlayStation people was like, yeah, they'll go on sale like tomorrow. But then a bunch of retailers were like, no, 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 you can buy it today. Yeah. Well, you can buy it now. And then other retailers were like, oh. I guess we'll take pre-orders too then. <laughs> so the whole thing just got all fucked up. <laughs> yeah, those uh, are no. those are all just pre-orders. Those are not Yeah. You like But then not like, one. Yeah, but then the pre-orders all went out. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't I don't know how you messed this up so bad, Sony. All you had to uh, so, do was give a date. Yeah. I wanted to specifically talk about the 3090 because that launched today. Mm. Um, of course sold out like instantly like the other ones but this one was interesting to me because one it's more than double the price of the 3080 and two they didn't allow reviewers to release benchmarks until it was on sale what so oh. hmm, that's that's sus already that's uh, very yeah. sus then when it finally though. when it finally like reviewers were able to post stuff it's like oh yeah it's like 10 maybe 15 percent better than the 3080 mm-hmm more than double the price. Like I watched the entire 30 minute gamers Nexus review when they're like, all right, all right, freaking NVIDIA, you push this thing as an 8k gaming card so hard in all your marketing materials that we're going to actually test it for 8k gaming. It turns out it runs everything at like 30 frames per second or like maybe worse, except for the cherry picked games that NVIDIA showed with right. specific graphics settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so surprised they they were just talking nvidia down so much in that review they were like normally this card we'd be like this this card's meant for production work so we're not going to really focus on the gaming benchmarks too much but they've pushed the marketing for gaming so hard that we feel compelled to have to like rip this thing apart about how bad of a value proposition it is so unbelievable yeah i cannot believe that. that card is double the value with only 10% 10% greater performance. Yeah, it's it's $700 versus $1500. So $800 more expensive. It was funny, even when I saw that like that super early, there was some Chinese company that released um just some some early benchmarks and I'd showed it to you and you were just like, "Oh yeah, I mean that's I mean that seems crazy, but we'll wait until some more things come out. There's no yeah. way they would make it that bad." <laughs> I mean, to be fair, in like 4K, there are certain things that you can hit 20% improvement on, but not very many. I mean, but you're not paying only 20% more. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, the thing. you expect some diminishing returns, but it's not this many diminishing returns, you know? <laughs> yeah. Gosh, a couple failures. Yeah, save me some money though. I don't need to buy a $1,500 graphics I mean, card. I'm saving it would money because I can't even buy them. Just <laughs> yeah, buy true. two 3080s and call it a day. No. Mm, can't do that anymore. They took anymore. SLI out of them. Mm. SLI's in the 3090, though, if you want to buy two of those. Gosh. Mm. Let's, let's be honest. The idea for... that you could get two of them. <laughs> yeah, laughable. for sure. Uh, uh, last but not least, we should probably mention here um, Demon's Souls potentially oh, getting yeah. a release on PC. Or not. 
so speaking of Sony just being the worst at things, they had yep. that event I talked about, and they had a Demon Souls trailer because they're remaking Demon Souls. And at the end, it says like also coming to PC. So like, in little we were bitty all... text. So what? In little bitty text. But still, but it's on there. Like and most we of like... those trailers were like PlayStation exclusive with a little star, and then at the bottom of the the screen, it'd be like star also available on PC. Yeah. So like it was really exciting. It was like, yeah, dude, it's gonna come to PC. I don't need to get a PS5. That game looks awesome. And so like all these articles came out like, yeah, Demon Souls is coming to PC. Pretty exciting. And then so I was like, no, 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 no. That was a mistake. It's not coming to PC. That was quote <laughs> human error. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Sure. Like, did nobody read it? Did nobody check it? <laughs> nobody before watched they put their it? own trailer. Yeah, on their stream. <laughs> like. My conspiracy theory is that it is coming to PC. They just didn't want to tell anyone yet. Yeah, right. Because they're they're like launching the PS5, and so being like, "Hey, like one of our best launch games isn't going to be exclusive." It'll it's be probably like a, a bad luck. Six yeah. month exclusive or something. Right. Like, maybe. I mean, either way, like someone yeah. should have looked over because like the whole thing was only like an hour, maybe, probably not even. Like just one guy at Sony sit down and watch it and go, "Oh yeah." We did it. Good job, everyone. That looks good. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, no. Of course not. Speaking of games, we should actually talk about a couple things specifically uh, that have either released or are coming out soon. Um, one is uh, something Caleb related, of course. Yeah. Near. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yes, have. Uh, I'm a big fan of Near Automata. You guys know uh-huh. that. Yes. Um, but there's a there's a Near Replicant remake coming out next year they have a release date for it now it's it's uh april it's called near replicant version 1.22474487139 catchy catchy yep, pretty good pretty good mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, well, I hate being the employee that's got to type that number in a bunch <laughs> but uh i'm bringing it up because i got a new trailer today and um a, a short sequence of gameplay footage as well and it uh i mean it looks pretty looks pretty good so far i'm excited about it the trailer doesn't show a ton Basically, just some pretty music that Nier's known for, with some art. But the gameplay uh, looks solid. I've been excited about playing it because I've never played is, the earlier Nier games. This is the remake of Nier One. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's there's the original Nier game, mm-hmm. which in Japan was also called Nier Gestalt, for some reason. And then there's sure. there was an alternative first Nier game. That like swapped out one of the main characters, who I think was your daughter, into your brother, or something. And that's I mean, near replicant, and that that's the seems one that we're making. Like a worthy change. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We should also mention there's a pretty serious um, collaboration of devs who got together and created a update for not an update, a extra subset of levels for Celeste. It's called the Spring Collab. Alex, have you been playing yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I know Caleb has actually played some of it. I have played a little bit of it. I have issues with it. Oh, just I because think. it's a community modded moderated thing. No. Of course, collab no. has a problem like, with the collab. There's instead of having like you know just like a level select, there's like this lobby that you can go around in and touch. Like you go inside of a little room in the in the lobby. And you hit a button, and then it takes you into a new level. And that, on its own, is really annoying. Because why can't I just select the level? Like, why go through this? 
nonsense. Right. I imagine that has something to do with how they have to implement the mod. Probably. But man, that in itself is frustrating. And so far, the level of designs have not been terribly interesting. So I, have I might not been... play like four levels or four or five levels. I don't own Celeste on PC, so I haven't been playing it, but I have been listening. Both the soundtrack for um, Spring and whatever the other one is called are on Spotify. They're pretty good. I like the soundtracks a lot. They're not quite they made, like new part. music for this thing. Yeah, yeah, it's all new. Yeah, they got a bunch not of quite stuff, up to par with the original Celeste, but it's still really, really good. Very well done. There's like five worlds worth of levels or something like that, so it's pretty significant. Yeah, it is significant. And yeah, a lot of people were talking just from like anecdotal impressions i saw that a lot of people like it a lot so there, maybe it gets better maybe there's 46 there's, tracks on these volumes in a in addition to there not being like a nice level layout there's also like in the lobby level itself there's not a nice layout of the levels i don't know the implementation seems weird because like I'll just explain slightly. So you could have like a lobby level that just has like a bunch of different pillars that you touch that are just in a row in like a difficulty curve or in some kind of theme. But instead you're in this big lobby world, there's a whole bunch of random rooms you can enter to enter a level, and they're just random on difficulty level, on theme. Mm. Like those the first there's one no, I like, played progression layout. was one of the first three that I saw, and it had like a new mechanic and it was one of the hardest difficulty ones but i was in like the beginner lobby but i don't understand mm -hmm. we should also mention here left 4 dead 2 just launched its most recent final update yeah uh, which um, is called the last stand we talked about it last podcast but they hadn't really said what was in it yet but today it is out um basically it is a new campaign based on the last stand, which was a survival map. Um, they added 26 new survival maps. So if Crazy. you're into survival, that's really cool. Uh, a couple mm -hmm. of new scavenger areas. They added a couple of new melee weapons, the pitchfork and the shovel. Ooh. And they also, for some reason, added all of the Counter-Strike source weapons to the game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, an official implementation of all the CS source weapons on all, like, official servers. Okay. I mean, uh, fuck it, right? Yeah. Like, at this point, yes. like, who cares? Yeah. Uh, there's new animations. There's a ton of bug fixes. There's uh, previously unused voice lines that got imp imp implemented. Um, they added the... I know it's a very minor thing, but they added the skins for the special infected from the first game to this game. So, some more variety there. Seems pretty legit. And the game is free for the weekend and 80% off if for some reason you still haven't bought it. Yeah, $1.99 right now. <laughs> yeah. Just freaking go buy it. I mean, that is so cheap. It's such That's a weird game of it, too. Even mm. if you already own it, just buy it again. <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> buy it for a friend, I believe. Let's move on over to a couple things uh, film related. First and foremost, uh, we should probably talk about Disney for a second, Owen. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so there's there's been a lot of stuff happening out of the Disney camp. Uh, first of all, the tragic fail that was Mulan. Uh, and then they were like, hey, we're going to push back everything. 
until 2021. <laughs> All of the movies that you thought were going to come out this year, we lied next year. But don't fret for those that wanted a Marvel fix. We're going to give you that WandaVision <laughs> at some point. Thanks. <laughs> mm. uh, you watch the trailer for that? I, I did watch the trailer for WandaVision. Looks it wild. No looks idea what's going on. Crazy. Looks weird. No idea. I I heard somebody like break it down of like kind of like what is supposed to be going on, and if there is a thing that it it has like, I I look at it and I was like, there is no way in hell you're going to get normal people to watch this thing like <laughs> this is something that's supposed to be balls to the fucking wall and just absolutely crazy and sets up uh dr strange's multiverse of madness so like it's just everywhere and it's gonna be weird and mm -hmm. like i don't know how you're gonna get a mainstream audience to like watch this and back it up and then know that this is setting up the next film which by the way is directed by Sam Raimi? I was hmm. surprised when I saw that. Hmm. I didn't know they were making a new Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know at what point in time you look at Sam Raimi and you're like, you know what we need? We need you on Doctor Strange. Um, so I thought that was a little odd. Um, and I also thought it was really interesting in general because I was listening to someone else talking about this and they mentioned that the just the film department of disney just the part of disney that makes film accounts for 16 percent of their yearly revenue yeah that's, i'm not surprised by that it's so small i have a friend yeah, who works for all... the parks and she's yeah. like literally if the parks aren't open disney is just like bleeding money everywhere they make mm -hmm. so much money on parks it's ridiculous yeah. Like, I feel like the reason they put out movies is so they can make Actually, park attractions for that them. That is 100% and make correct. Money. Yeah, recently an artist an article was published about like the reason why we didn't get a National Treasure 3. Cinema Blend was talking about how Disney couldn't figure out a way to integrate it into the parks and they were like, "Well, I guess since we can't do a park for it, we're not going to do a third movie <laughs> even though it grossed wow. half a billion dollars on the second one." Yeah, mm -hmm. like it is it is insane the amount of money that they make on just the parks and they do not need to make money off of these movies and which then makes me really question why the hell they're not throwing it out uh for stream like you know on Disney Plus yeah, and their true. streaming services because yeah. I was just like why delay the Black Widow movie that we know that you've had done for a year now like you could put it on Disney Plus tomorrow and you would barely even notice the dent that it would make in anything that you do. Like, I do not understand why you would do this when you could easily just sit here and throw it out like it's candy and people would buy it up. I feel like maybe it has to do a little bit with... Um, let me back up for one second. We, Alex, Caleb, and I went and watched Tenet. Uh, at the theater, oh, which is talk about that. the first major release of a movie in theaters since the coronavirus hit in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it didn't like perform as well, of course, as a Christopher Nolan film would, but it did pretty good box office wise. Like, it, really? like it, yeah, they um, internationally, they grossed two hundred and fifty one million dollars, which 
for a movie released during the coronavirus, not bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know what their budget was. I'm sure it was incredibly high because it's a Christopher Nolan film. But a lot of these announcements came like a couple weeks after this was released. I wonder if maybe they were just kind of like watching. All right, this is a huge movie. Let's see how it does in the box office. If we feel like we need to delay, we'll just delay. Otherwise, if people are still going to the movies, we're still making money. We'll just go ahead and release it. We'll go ahead and put it in theaters. Black Widow, I mean, is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this article says Tenet is performing like an original movie directed by anyone other than Christopher Nolan. <laughs> oh, Christopher Nolan has to hate that. Speaking uh, of which, let's just can I talk about this for one second? This movie was first of all excellent. Second of all, good. it was a return to the Inception style, just weird cerebral i don't know what's going on for part of the movie i'm starting to figure it out oh god what's happening oh that's a cool ending wait (laughs) is that a cool ending (laughs) it's very solid movie yeah also filming techniques i have never seen in a movie before the one scene that alex and killed keep coming back to is this point and abe is this point at which in the movie when they blow up a building i'm not going to spoil a lot but they basically blow up a building in two different ways while they're also kind of time traveling in a weird it doesn't in any way describe how cool of a moment that I, is i know there's no <laughs> but way it's very like, cool it's tell very, me how you cool. would explain that moment to literally anyone who has not watched tenet i mean you don't stop with, spoiling it you don't really yeah you'd, you'd have you'd to, have to, ex- the you'd have to the explain is, the whole movie right yeah, you would you would didn't Man, they cool, they crash a 747 for this yes. film? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mentioned this to Alex Kale after he left the theater, but I had read that they checked the cost of doing a mini, like a, like a miniature of a 747, and they also checked the cost of doing it in CG. And the cheapest way to blow up a 747 was to actually buy a 747 <laughs> and blow it up. That <laughs> seems not correct, right? <laughs> You'd think not. That's what it was. When I read that article, I had to reread the article and slowly to make sure that I was reading it correctly. And I was like, you're fucking telling me that instead of just doing various amounts of things that the industry does because it's cheaper, that that at this point it's so expensive that you might as well just buy a plane and drop it and blow it up and that's the better way to do this? Here's my question. Did anyone check it or did Christopher Nolan just say that to people? <laughs> Christopher Nolan's like, no, no, no. I, I looked it, it up. We, don't worry. Yeah, I did that. I looked it up, guys. We don't need worry. to buy the plane. And people were like, trust okay. right. right. me. Gosh. What Mr. Nolan says, Mr. Nolan gets. That's eh. freaking right he does. He knows math. <laughs> Um, there were a couple issues with this movie. Um, number one, it, like weirdly, Abe mentioned before we went, if you go, you won't be able to hear some of the dialogue, which I thought was weird. He even said, I feel yeah. like an old man. I went to the theater and it was loud and I couldn't hear the dialogue. And in my yeah. mind, I was like, I'm also an old man. Am I going to be able to hear the dialogue? I guess we'll see how it goes. But in, in reality, it was just like a weirdly mixed couple parts of the movie, a couple sequences. Um, which I thought was strange. And the movie was incredibly loud. So loud. Louder than any movie I've ever watched in that Dolby Atmos theater, which I have been to plenty of times. Yeah, I need to watch that movie. I told these guys, I need to watch that movie like three more times in a place where I can also hear the dialogue (laughs) to really fully grasp it. Have you thought about getting a caption machine? Yeah. (laughs) There's some subtitles in there. 
Yeah. Alex only wants to watch the action scenes just so he can dissect <laughs> actually what's going on. Yep. That's those are the, the real parts I need to watch three times again. I I once heard that Christopher Nolan is just the intellectuals uh Michael Bay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, guess. I laughed so hard at that description. I can That's, see that. Yeah. That's kind of funny, actually. Um Okay, so a couple other things we should talk about in film world. Harry Potter with guns. Very important to talk about. Alex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. There, there was this trailer that was going around where somebody like painstakingly CG'd over all of the magic and wands in the first Harry Potter movie and replaced it all with guns and various gun effects. And it's hilarious. And it's very hilarious. Turns mm-hmm. out they did that to the entire first movie, <sighs> not just the trailer. Is that what and, uh, Guns uh, Akimbo is? <laughs> no, gosh, nice. I, I feel like this would be better than Guns Akimbo. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Guns um, Akimbo. They've actually named it Harry Potter and the Deathly Weapons. Yep. Mm. The tagline and... is Let the Bullets Soar. <laughs> gosh. They're, oh they're going to stream it. Well, they're going to not stream it. So, it's like, definitely this is all, not being streamed. This is all very <laughs> copywritten. So they're like, hey, we're definitely not going to stream this on this date yeah, yeah so it's it's on uh the 27th at 10 p.m at blackholemonoplex.com that's not where it's gonna happen so <laughs> but don't it. tune in don't, don't tune in tune it's in. not happening don't there. try to look it up because it's not gonna the bullet be there sore. <laughs> so yeah cr- crazy you want to check that out um i also or wanted not. to mention one thing in film before we sort of depart um just a quick question. What would you guys say is Sega's number one best-selling franchise? Sonic. No. Sonic is number two. Uh, I, I know what Sonic this is. Number two. It's Yakuza. Yes, it is. <laughs> is it really? And it turns out that they are developing a live-action adaptation from the video game series. Wow. I mean, that's not that hard. No. <laughs> it's, it's about guys sitting very Punching. still. Yeah, <laughs> and then punching sometimes. <laughs> I, if there's I, not some weird things included in it, I'm gonna be very upset. I need some yeah, like no one gets beat up with a motorcycle. Yes, just like a 30 it, minute scene where they do like a gotcha game. Yes, <laughs> there's some or, karaoke. Or just like, there's yeah, like 20 Mario karaoke. Kart racing. Or what do they call yeah. it? It's not Mario Kart. What do they call it in that game? Um, like Dragon Kart or something. It's in the most recent one. Yeah, there's uh. Racing. I was gonna say Caleb Dragon Cart. Dragon Cart. Okay. Yeah. There is literally a a uh, that is the polygon um, headline for the the uh, the article is get ready for beating someone up with a motorcycle. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> like I I I with the second I read that and I was like the only way this works is I want some seriously good like fight scenes uh of of like you know the yakuza parts but then i want like the stupid karaoke like you gotta give me beating someone up with a swordfish and like karaoke otherwise i don't feel like just doing some karaoke yeah i want it filmed like i want the cinematography to change rapidly throughout the series (laughs) just like (laughs) one scene is filmed in a very specific way maybe dark the next scene is like 
just rainbows and like super happy, but also film with a different camera and maybe a different aspect ratio with different <laughs> actors. Yes, different. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, that would make it worth it. I'm sure it would make it fail also, but still, but still. Uh, one last thing to talk about here in the board games world. Uh, Magic the Gathering is having a jumpstart. Is it an it's, event? It's been out. It's, it's okay, been it's a been thing. Out. I just, I finally got my box of jumpstart and I was able to uh, play some uh with my girlfriend while we are stuck here in covid land uh and uh it's remarkably good uh for i did talk about this on the podcast but as a brief synopsis um the idea is the fact that you open up two packs of jumpstart you shuffle them together you have a 40 card deck ready to go right there and you just play against someone that's done the same exact thing just like smash up yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, exactly like the idea of Smash Up. Uh, and it, it just works. It works very well. It's super amounts of fun. Uh, I quite enjoy this. Uh, I've, I've always had a problem with magic uh, because of the fact that I never feel like I can test whether I am good at playing the game versus other people uh, or if they're good at playing the game. Normally, it just becomes a thing of just like, oh, well, you got the more rare cards in the draft or, oh, I ended up, you know, not drafting well or I don't have a deck that has as many rare cards in standard that you do. Like, it, it's always felt like there's been a thing about uh, money rather than a skill set. Uh, and I will say that I definitely some of these packs are a little bit more powerful than others but as a whole uh i think that they've been pretty much even as far as power level goes and so it's been a lot of fun being able to play a game that feels like magic that is magic and is is you know it i'm not feeling like one side is just dunking on the other because it's gotten more expensive cards in it you know it it feels like a thing that they very they balanced it very well, and it's a great way to just play Magic with friends that maybe are interested in playing the game and don't know how to play, or maybe uh, are, you know, have played it before and are just looking for a fun pickup game without having to, you know, figure out what your format is and, you know, getting your deck set up and all that shit. So I, I just think that this is a fantastic product, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit. and. um I think one of the things that I also that I'm doing that I thought was really uh, neat that somebody online pointed out is there's these little plastic packets pretty much that you can put the cards back into so that way they act like a booster pack again and so it'll contain it like it's a resealable booster pack then and so I can I can just even though I've already opened a bunch of these packs, I've put them in these new plastic packets uh, for reuse. So whenever anyone would come over to play Magic, I can just take these out and they can just open it up like it was a brand new pack and they don't know anything that's inside. And it's, you know, it, it gives you more longevity of the product. And I think that was a really cool thing as well. Um. Just want to wrap up with a couple quick things here. Number one, if you have not listened to our most recent episode of the Community Cast, you should go do that. We released that back in uh, August. No, sorry, July. Uh, Sky Larson, Rob the Sky Games. Also, I think we're supposed to be coming out with a book 
Club podcast here soon, Ooh. Alex. You really scared yeah. me. I thought we were releasing a book for a second. I did not write <laughs> anything. Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, is that true, Alex? Are we doing a... It will be coming. TM. Mm, mm, mm. Soon TM. Soon TM. <laughs> Just keep an eye on our socials. We'll definitely yeah. blast it out. Yeah, we'll blast we it out. Do we know how we're, how we're doing that? Because I, I need to know how fast I need to read Gone Girl. <laughs> Uh, you don't need to read Gone Girl very fast. Okay. So soon, TM Understood. is a good, accurate representation of just, how long it's going to take for it to come out. Well, because we've already read movie. another book, or most of us have already read another book that we have to record about. Man, this is a so. bad advertisement for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Expanding Horizons coming out soon. Make sure you check that one out. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and we will catch you next time. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Jake John Fetterkyle, Caleb Juno, and Owen Patterline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. We also have a couple new series that we've been working on. One for a custom Divinity campaign and another for a Pathfinder campaign that we've been working on. So make sure you check those out as well. Again, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time.